because that's good podding. Okay, I'm going live. No No more making fun of me. (laughs) This wasn't all live? (laughs) (laughs) All the good stuff. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm just waiting to start the podcast. Save all your insults for what it counts, and then it's down on the record forever. (laughs) Hello, Internet. How are you? Uh, Derek's gone. He's indisposed. He needs that guy. Yeah, exactly. Especially when I got someone like Patrick Johnston to fill the gap and his fresh Canadian. Well, I guess, is that a fresh hat? It looks shiny and clean, but you said it was like from 20 years ago, right? Well, no. No, I mean, the design is 20 years old. Oh. Uh, the Canadians realize there's enough enough uh, nostalgia with guys like me hanging around. That they could yeah. Sell a bunch of Vancouver Canadians, for those who don't know, is a minor league baseball team in Vancouver who used to be owned by Molson's but aren't anymore. But oh, still really? Have, is that how they got their names? Design. 100%. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought they were just the Canadians because it's a – there's no other – lazy and easy? Well, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And because there's no other teams in their league called the Canadians, but I don't even. There's also no team called the Americans, though. So oh. that's a bit disappointing. Well, they couldn't be the Americans. That's just false advertising. Mm. They should have a team in Point Roberts called the Americans. Wow. Oh, wow. Be... What a concept. <laughs> that would be. They would have like two players because there's not very many people living there. Years, I mean, this is like five or six years ago. The Seas were in the uh, Northwest League final and they were Mm -hmm. playing, I think it was Boise. And Boise was, I think, the Cubs affiliate. And so they had a bunch of good, hot young prospects. But they also had like four or five Cubans. Mm -hmm. And because of the time frame of when the, the, the league championship was, which is like early September. Yeah. Basically, their their work permits that allowed them to be in the U.S. because they're Cubans and they're super awkward. Their yeah. work permits basically wouldn't have let them leave the United States to go play in Vancouver. So the Seas basically <laughs> won because the other team couldn't bring their like four best players with them. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I mean, it still counts as winning, I guess. But even if it's on a technicality, yeah. Only the only the listeners of Outrage Factory know that will even remember that fact, and they'll probably have forgotten by next week. Yeah, I I don't want to uh, disparage your C's deep pull facts, but I don't think too many people here are going to remember Canadians Sorry. facts. They'll manage. <laughs> No manage. Oh, one thing I wanted to ask you before we get on to the stuff I promised everybody we'd talk about and why they're probably here. Let's talk about other stuff that I want to know. So last time you were on was, when was that? December last year? No, it was in the summer. Oh yeah. We talked, we talked hockey. Yeah. I was going to ask you another hockey question. So what's going on with hockey? Like the NHL, like I've heard that they might start in January. They might have an uh, all-Canadian division so they don't have to travel across yeah, the border. I think I think the all-Canadian thing is, you know, is, yeah, it's pretty much a lock from what I understand. Oh, really? Logistics. Yeah. I think just because there's so much uncertainty still with yeah. the border, um, understandably. Yeah. So, I mean, the plan, as far as I understand, is that I think we're more and more approaching a late January start. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, it's funny. I was doing, doing some math with people and, you know, part of you goes, okay, they'll start January 15, but then you remember that like the Canadian teams, certainly the players arriving to play for them have to quarantine. If they're coming from the U S or coming from Europe, have to quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. And so if you're doing that, then, you know, if you're having a two week training camp, that means starting like January 1st. Well, that means quarantining over Christmas, Ooh. which seems not great. So um, yeah, February one, I think now is more likely okay. unless, you know, you're getting guys to quarantine over Christmas. Like you allow them to, unless you're allowing them to do like a group quarantine again, as they were doing in the summer, I guess yeah. is, is the one variable because they were allowed to do this. It basically, they all arrived together. And then essentially because they were doing these private tests mm-hmm. um, were tested every day and essentially had to follow a process. They could practice. They weren't allowed to practice together, but they were allowed to at least work out yeah. and skate. On, on their own um that was in june okay. um so i guess that's the thing but then nonetheless they were basically in their hotel rooms and a lot of these guys do have families yeah and you know so it's, it's just going to be complicated um but yeah so february one i mean that's just me speculating i don't have any I don't want anybody okay. running out there tweeting saying Patrick Johnson says they're going to start. <laughs> Official Canucks writer says. Um, um, yeah, but that's just me doing math. And then I think yeah. you're kind of at that point, then you're talking about essentially you're looking at, uh, you know, the kind of schedule they did in 2012, 13 during the lockout or uh, 94, 95, like a 48 game. Okay. Are they going to do a full season? Do you think or no? No, it'll be a shorter schedule. Okay, sure. which is what the big, which is what the big argument is right now. Which yeah. is that basically the owners have come back and said, "Well, we're not going to pay you what we said we we're going to pay you because you're not going to play the number of games we thought you were going to play." And players are like, "Why didn't you bring this up when we signed the deal?" Mm-hmm. So, that's yeah, especially those people who signed the one-year contract. Um, but maybe that's also why they signed one-year contracts out of free agency because they knew they might get effed this year, and then they could yeah. just resign well, for next year. Yeah, I mean, there's just not a lot of money in the system in general because the salary cap can go up. But I mean, I did do a, a story a while back, like Oscar Fattenberg, who was a depth defenseman for the Canucks last year. He went and signed in the KHL. And if you do the math, um, even prorating, you know, the sort of league minimum, which is likely what he would have signed for if he'd stayed in the NHL, he mm-hmm. basically makes more money. It's not a ton more, but a, a bit more money in Russia. And especially now, I mean, if the owners get their way and do actually get to cut salaries like further, then yeah, he's definitely going to make more money just having gone to Russia. Although, I mean, of course, I mean, he's, he's playing for a good team. He's playing, he's playing, um, he's playing for St. Petersburg, which is like Putin's team. It's like the richest team in the league. So oh, yeah. um, the richest probably safest team in the league, but anyway, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. So um, that's kind of where things are at. So we'll see. Can these guys do the quick test? Like if they're coming from Europe and they're going to go to their camp, can't they just do like one right. of the quick tests and well, then they don't have yeah, to Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, maybe they won't have to do that. We'll see. I mean, that's certainly everything's kind of in flux. So yeah, we'll see. I don't know. But as, as the rules currently stand, if they were to arrive today, they would have yeah. to do the two quarantine. Um, and uh, yeah, shout out, by the way, shout out to my buddy, Pat Morton, who's got two more days living in his dad's condo in Coal Harbor. Oh. And then he can actually leave. I mean, there's worse places to self-quarantine than... I mean, that might even be worse, actually, because if you're right downtown where it's all awesome and it's Coal Harbor 
and you can't leave. It might even be worse than not staying at Coal Harbor, uh, just being tempted to leave. Although you can't really go do much right now. No, that but room, I mean, yeah, sorry. But I mean, when I came back, like in March, when I came back, because mm-hmm. uh, I was in Arizona when the season, like the hockey season went on pause. And so they, I had to do, we were still, we were calling it self-isolating then. Yeah. Um, I had to do, I did two weeks, but I was still able, I was still allowed to go out for walks and stuff, but like mm-hmm. now you're not even supposed to do that. Like you're supposed oh, really? to stay inside. Yeah. Yikes. You're not supposed to leave at all. And I, like, I had friends that came back from the UK in September and the yeah. police actually checked up on them. Like they came, the police came a couple of times just to see, are you guys, oh, what really? are you guys doing? Yeah. Just to make sure. That's crazy. Which is like, you know, I know there's people that haven't necessarily been following the rules, but mm-hmm. I'm glad these people are follow the rules people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to bring up before, again before we get started and talking about stuff. Uh, last week we were talking about the bay and how the Coquitlam Center closed. I just wanted to let everybody know that it's open again, and they right. just had to pay half of their seven months back rent. So it's all good there. That was court yeah, ordered. So yeah. if you want to go do some uh, Black Friday. <laughs> Oh, I could think underwear. of Black Friday. <laughs> Go do some Black Friday shopping tonight or tomorrow. I think most places in Canada go till Monday. They go to the 30th. I don't even know. So you can go buy know. some stuff at the Bay. Also, they have 50% off their uh, Christmas ornaments. Big, uh, yeah. I don't know why. I think they just like they're selling everything cheap. Do you know this not, because so. you have your Christmas tree up already? Yeah. It's uh. Is your Christmas tree actually purple? It's magenta and it's it's metallic magenta. It's uh wow. an apartment sized Christmas tree. I picked it out. Andrea kind of hates it and she's like, "We should get a green one." I'm like, "We don't have the space." I'm, I'm with I'm for with a Andrea. new one. I'm outraged. I'm with Andrea. <laughs> hey. What? You got a magenta Christmas tree? Yeah. You got to be open. What are you going to make your whole? Are you going to make the whole place white now? Like make it the weirdest looking Connor McDavid style house or what? Oh yeah. Oh dude, what? that's funny you bring Magenta. that up. <laughs> oh, we got. Let's see. Look at these. Uh, funny you say. I mean, I know it's everything's white. We got some white stockings. Uh, I'm okay with a lot of white stuff because in Vancouver there's no snow. Like me and Andrea both grew up in places where there's snow during the winter. So if you were there and you had white, it'd be kind of overboard. But he, like Connor McDavid, where he is, there's lots of snow. So it's kind of overboard. But I, I claim that it's okay for him to have that house because he's staring at like eye bleeding orange all day. He can do whatever he wants. I'm fine with it. I mean, I I still think it looks, the people that made the comparison with the uh, end of 2001 Space Odyssey when like Dave Bowman gets taken (laughs) off by the aliens and then they put them up in this like weird like all like bright mm. apartment that looks like some kind of like i don't even know french revolution era like yeah whatever the, whatever the term is for that i don't know these terms it's like retro futurism is the term the for stuff from the past that's, that's supposed to word. look like the that's future the yeah word. it's a retro futuristic anyway that's what conrad davis house looks like yeah like whatever do you think we're going to be able to see pictures of Connor McDavid sitting in it in a diaper or an old man <laughs> like in 2001 a space odyssey because wasn't he like an old man an yeah yeah no and he's aging like in front of you like it's a whole it's, it's a whole like you don't understand time yeah yeah eating he's like eating and then he like looks down because he like knocks his food or his fork off or yeah. something and then he like looks up and then he sees himself but he's even older 
Yeah. And then eventually he gets older. He sees himself again. He's in bed. And he's like this frail old man. He's like pointing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's the star child. Yeah. Funny fact about that Aliens movie. are coming to yeah. Jupiter. Funny fact about that movie is it's not that funny, but it took me probably 10 tries to watch that movie without falling asleep. Like, I loved I lo- it the first time. Yeah, yeah I, get I it, love though. the visuals and, and stuff, small. but it's just so yeah. like... Because I was always watching it late at night, and that was a problem. The same with the first Alien. I would always try to watch these, like, slow burn, like, intense dramatic movies, and I would just be, like, so stressed out because they're stressful. You're like, where's the alien? Where's the alien? And then I'd yeah, wake yeah. up, like, 10 minutes later and be like, what happened? Oh, okay. So you got to the end of Alien, but, like, it wasn't. it was in fits and starts? Yeah. Well, I would start. I'd watch it, fall asleep, and be like, ah, and then I'd start it over. That one only took four tries because it's not I've only as... ever watched Alien once didn't fall asleep but i'm never gonna watch it again because i was so scared yeah it's very scary and so it's slow I, and yeah. i hate being scared i don't you know ask candace i i'm not <laughs> no meaning no. candace is like scary movies but i'm just like no i'm the same way like people are talking about like why like they're always like why don't they make horror movies actually scary because if they do they're unwatchable like if you watch the grudge like the one that had Sarah Michelle Gellar in it. I think that's like one of the scariest movies. And I watched it once and I'll never watch it again because it's fucking terrifying. Like a ghost comes through the phone and kills someone. That's like the scariest thing I've ever. And then like the part, sorry, if you haven't seen this movie, you don't know what I'm talking about, but there's this part where this girl's in the room and she lifts up her bed sheet. And then the ghost murderer comes up from under the bed sheet. Like, Ah. That goes against the rule. The bed sheet protects you from monsters. And them showing the monster under the bed sheet, that's just way too scary. I can't handle that. Like, how no, are you thanks. supposed to protect yourself no. from that? Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> nope. That's nope. why I like American movies where it's like you have Jason or something. And you're like, well, if you had a rocket launcher, you'd be fine. But like, <laughs> if, if there's a monster in your bed, you can't shoot it with a rocket launcher because you'll kill yourself. <laughs> And that's why we can't have actually scary movies. No, of course not. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, do you want to talk about what I actually said we'd talk about? Half yeah, hour let's do in. It. Let's get let's to what I. Yeah. So, Eric Clapton. We talk about ti- oh, Eric Clapton, not Tiny Desks first. Tiny Desks. Oh, move along. Wait, what? Move along. Sorry, is that dog? Can you hear that dog yelling? There's a dog walking by. Oh, I thought that was one of your daughters screaming. I was like, wow, that's No, sounds the like... girls are fine. Oh, okay. Dog oh, you're no. outside. I'm outside. That way it's oh, quiet. Is that, quiet. Is that just you, Vancouver, flexing on the rest of Canada that it's the oh, end of November and you can sit it's outside sunny, in a t shirt or a sweater? Yeah. It is sunny for the first time in uh, a while. I had to close the door because it looked like I only had half a face because it was so light. Like this was all blown out. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Eric Clapton, Van Morrison and their stupidity. Wait, what's this tiny desk thing? Trump. Oh yeah. That's, I never maybe got that's the that. way to lead out. It's, it's yeah. a humorous moment. It's the moment. Okay. Of Zen. It's the yeah. About at the end. I'm a, uh, I'm actually pumped that this is going to be the last podcast. We talk about Trump because he's done and gone. And now we never have to worry about him again, but we'll save that for the end. Like you said, so Eric Clapton, while Van Morrison wrote this song, fuck, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, American Dream. Is that what it's called? It's not out what? yet. So Van oh, Morrison new- wrote a song and yes. Eric Clapton performs it. It's not out till December, but everybody's. Right. Oh, sorry. This is the outrage song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> it's an anti-lockdown song because Van Morrison has this um, big uh, fund that he's trying to deliver. Oh, yeah. I personally, when you say stand and deliver, I think of that old um, Sugar Edward Ray James song. Almost. Oh, no, I think of the movie. What movie was that? Stand and Deliver? Movie about the math teacher? What you got? <laughs> I am oh. unfamiliar with that film, Patrick. <laughs> That's a great one. You should go check it out. Yeah. It inspire you to become a teacher. Or not. Is that why you watched it? Because you used to be a teacher, didn't you? I used to be. No, yeah, I, when I was, I used to be. I mean, I still do sometimes, but I used yeah. to be obsessed with movies just because, like, so often they're really cheesy. Like that substitute movie where it kills everybody. Is that what it's called? Yeah, exactly. The substitute. Like, yeah, yeah. I saw that one. Throw he threw a guy on the fucking table saw. That scared the shit out of me because I actually use table saws. <laughs> but yeah, uh, stand stand and deliver. Los Angeles high school teacher Jaime Escalante, played by Edward James Olmos, uh, who is famous for a few things like uh, Battlestar Galactica yeah. is being hassled by tough students like Angel Guzman played by Lou Diamond Phillips. But Jaime is pr- also pressured by his bosses who want him to control his raucous classroom caught in the middle. He asks to immerse his students in higher math after intensive study. His students ace California's calculus test only to learn that their scores are being questioned. Oh, will have to retake the test in order to quiet the critics. Ooh, that's, <laughs> I like how it sounded like an action movie and then it's just like and then they write a test and it's like oh oh, yeah students write tests and they're like and then their test is questioned and you're like okay enough with the test and then they have to rewrite the test you're like so basically the last half of the movie is them writing a test is there a study montage oh yeah of course nice okay that that's a good because they have to take extra classes through the summer in in the the scorching heat of Los Angeles is there young adult can romance? They, can they overcome? <laughs> is there young adult romance, say, through the troubled Lou Diamond Phillips and a uppity? Uh, or not uppity uh, no, you know what? I don't think there really what? is. There is, I believe, a teen pregnancy at one point, though. Oh, wow. They missed the but it's bar. Not, like, they missed one there. It's just like, these are what these kids are dealing with. And it's like, what? They could have had that whole, like, uptown girl, downtown guy, yeah. fish totally. out of what, like, odd couple romance no, thing? Just East LA, man. Okay. So back to Eric Clapton. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of immigrants. Yeah. So Van Morrison has this big like um, charity fund, and he's trying to get. So I'm just gonna like start this like it's a good thing. So he has this fund because he has all these musicians who can't perform are missing out on yeah. all their big paydays, so they're going broke. So Van Morrison yeah. sets up. He starts this charity fund. I can't remember what it's called, but he just gives money to broke musicians. Called the, it's called the Lockdown Financial Hardship Fund. That's a long it title. Sounds nice. That's rolls off the tongue. <laughs> so this is the fourth song Van Morrison has written for this fund, and he got fellow, I guess, jerk off icon. icon. There you go. That's a nicer way to put it. Eric Clapton to write the song and. Everybody basically just loses their shit because Eric Clapton overall is a p- 
piece of shit because for many, many reasons. And I, I thought it was funny because Van Morrison started this fun like way back in October and he wrote yes. and released three songs. And then on the fourth song, people were like, wait, what? He's against lockdown. And they like all lost their shit. Yeah. Which is the funny thing is you read the variety story because it's just like it's very straight. The, mm. the link you sent me, it's very straight. They're like, well, he's doing this thing and they're trying to help live artists and you know advocate for the eventual return of live music, which like is an easy thing to get behind. Yeah. And then you find out that Van Morrison thinks lockdowns are stupid. And then, of course, you get reminded that Eric Clapton is not actually the greatest guy. Yeah, no, no, he's not. Famously, I think, I mean, it seems, I don't know if it was famously before, but it's come back to prominence that in 1976 he got up on stage and basically basically said get rid of foreigners get rid of black people just oh yeah advocated support for um some politician who was like anti-immigration all this stuff Mm -hmm. you know clapton has since claimed that like he says listen i was drinking way too much and i said things i shouldn't have said and i'm ashamed about that you know what we're all allowed to apologize but the fact remains it still happened and you can't just uh, say stuff like that and apologize when in those same times he was also incredibly awful to his ex-wife and believe Mm -hmm. mike was abused her um he's just been a he was a like a bad bad dude and then of course there's all this other controversy but whether he actually recorded some of it like layla did you see this thing about layla no i didn't so apparently the guitar solo isn't him it's one of the allman brothers oh really and yeah and the piano um the piano seg- uh, section um which everyone i think knows especially from goodfellas mm-hmm. um is uh, was his drummer who mur- apparently murdered his own mother, uh, stole it from his girlfriend who had already stolen it herself from some black musicians. So, oh Jesus, yeah, yeah like incredible. I mean, it's hard because you say, "Oh, these people just stole this all from like black musicians," but at least here, there's like six degrees of separation between right. him and the actual black musician. But it's still bad. It's like this was what in the '60s or the '70s. In the 70s, I think a lot of this stuff happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. It was Layla. I think Layla is like 1970 or something like that. But yeah, I'm not familiar. That's crazy. Yeah. And then Eric Clapton, of course. Like, I was, re- I heard about that, or somebody had tweeted like a quote from that speech he was given, like you mentioned before. Yeah. And he was like, Britain is a whites only country and stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah, ooh, yeah, yeah. yikes. Like, you don't, you can't just say stuff like that. No. Especially for a colonizing country who has so much problems invading other countries and then forcing them to do the, all the labor and stuff they don't want to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's terrible. It's just not yeah. good. And uh, these two old guys should just stay where they were mm-hmm. and stay off Facebook because yeah. uh, you know they're not doing any good there. And uh, yeah, just enjoy their millions and just don't, we don't need to hear from you guys. Just stay yeah. away. Like what Eric Clapton should have done is what Van Morrison did was just release the song without talking about it. And then nobody could have listened to it. Like I, I'd be interested to see if the first three songs for this fun have any like plays on Spotify or if anybody's purchased them with Apple play or anything. Oh, people totally will. Because that's the yeah. other one. I mean, look at, to bring it back to Trump, look at how many songs he played where clearly the songs were not about what he was playing them for. And yet they just played them anyway. Because, oh, it's a sweet guitar riff, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's literally about guys avoiding Vietnam, which yeah. is literally what Trump did. But look, he's like, look how fortunate I am to be my dad's son. And it's like, yeah. That's funny because that fortunate son song has been like used like patriotically so much. And it's never like even before Trump did this, it was like used in so much other stuff where they were like kind of missing the mark on what it was actually about and stuff. What was I going to say? Um, yeah. Oh, one thing that was surprising about this was there's so many people who like Eric Clapton. Like I thought we all just decided he was in some super groups and he was like the most, he was like, okay, but he was always, he was never like the best guitarist in any group he was in until he started a solo career pretty much. Cause like, right. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not gonna lie. I've always been, I mean, as, as a song goes, you know, I've always been a huge fan of Layla. I'm a huge fan of some of the stuff from cream and uh, yeah, no, I, I've, I've always enjoyed his music. There's no doubt about that, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, he's not Jeff Beck. And, uh, you know, that was always the thing with the Yardbirds was that he was their second fiddle and didn't like that. Years later, apparently, or, uh, or no, not years later, I, mean, I read in a book. That's what it was. Yeah. He, he apparently, um, when he first started listening to the band, like the, the Canadian American uh, group that originally backed Bob Dylan and then just went on to their own startup. When he first heard what they were doing, because Robbie Robertson was this incredible guitarist and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of had appointed himself the band leader, much to the chagrin, I think, of his bandmates. Um, apparently, Clapton, basically, when he heard what they were doing in terms of, like, musically, he yeah. basically was just like, wow, this, he was, like, embarrassed for himself. He's like, this is what I should be doing. Like, I should be, <laughs> this is the kind of music I should be producing. And it was like, I think partly, I don't I mean, I don't know if the story really, how it all kind of comes together, but mm-hmm. You know, he was because he was friends with those guys. That was the other thing. So, like, he appears oh, okay. a lot like that. He was friends with those guys. I mean, they, I don't know. I guess they all kind of knew each other in those days. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Clapton, yeah, good. Probably, I mean, he is a three time rock and roll Hall of Famer, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, better guitarists out there. I mean, he's, I mean, I think his reputation is deserved as one of the great guitarists, but mm-hmm. not. there's still guys that are better. Yeah. Like, are we going to have to cancel musicians because they were shitty? And I mean, if we do that, are we going to start emptying the Hall of Fame pretty much? Because a lot of these musicians were living pretty hard and drug fueled times in the 70s and 80s. And they all did pretty questionable things, as you could probably read in a lot of the autobiographies. Yeah. Yeah. Musical talent does not like in sports, musical talent, athletic talent or in writing, Mm -hmm. writing talent does not necessarily mean you're an awesome person. Yeah, that's exactly true. I, I yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. Don't ask me to create an ethical set of guidelines to assess whether you should like Eric Clapton or not. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you he is a terrible person. Yeah. And he's pretty good on the guitar. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, we constantly had to ask ourselves this question like so many times, like with Michael Jackson and all these other artists where it's like, are we still allowed to like their songs? And it's like, uh, I don't know, like... Well, it's up to it's you like, to decide ultimately. It's like Kevin Spacey, right? Are you going to watch Usual Suspects again? Right? Yeah, that's like, true. Right? You know, Brian Singer directed is. I mean, people don't realize that one. He he's like almost worse than Spacey, which says a lot. Oh like, yeah, he actually, you know, like those, you know. So what do you do with that? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, Wasn't that's a, great, that's a great movie, and there's two horrible, horrible people involved yeah. in it. 
wasn't Spinner's pool where some of the bad shit happened? Like I remember uh, some of the claims uh, against Spacey. There's something about yeah, a pool with yeah, underage I, I boys. Had, I hadn't put that. I hadn't. I hadn't put that together. But that, yeah. I guess that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So that that makes the movie even worse. Was like it has both those terrible people involved, and yeah. they might have been acting together. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah. It's one of those. Actually, it's one of those movies where it's like once you know the twist, the whole movie kind of suffers on rewatching. So it's like mm-hmm. it's amazing the first time. Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. second time or third yes. time, you're like, well, I didn't see this part before. But it's like, once you know, it's kind of like a Shyamalan movie where it's like, once you know, eh, they're only good. The f- well, they're not only good, but they're only great the first time. Then they're just good. Right. Well, yeah, yeah you'll never have that feel again. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I, I had a couple of roommates who had somehow never seen it. And years later, years after, it have been out for years. And I put it on and, and they literally leapt like out of their seats. They're like, no. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. yeah. How did that not get ruined just by like uh, the zeitgeist? Because there's a lot of twists, like um, Soylent Green is people. Like that's just right. something that's like the joke is in so many other movies right. and stuff that right. Right. it's just spoiled like by osmosis almost. Right. And I yeah, figured that I the usual suspects would be like that by now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, this is years ago, so I mean, this is before. I mean, we had the internet, but it wasn't like yeah, that's true. It wasn't like it wasn't like you'd stumble across it by you know there was the, the odds of stumbling across the uh, the tr- sort of what to be ready for were were pretty low. So. Yeah, it was before people started putting Han Solo dies as bumper stickers on their car <laughs> <laughs> for that movie. Which one was that? That was the second one of the new trilogy, wasn't it? Or the first one. Yeah, The Last Jedi. The only one that was actually any good. They kind of all blend together. It wasn't even that good. Yeah. So It's funny because it's like there's three movies and Rogue One and Solo. And they're all kind of just like, I think I just watched too much stuff where it's not like as like the lines to separate them. It's not like the first trilogy that they made where it's like Empire Strikes Back and return of the Jedi. You can remember what happened in either one of those, like right. specifically, maybe right. it's just me being older, but like all those, well, the other thing too, you know, the other thing about the new three is amazing. Somebody was tweeting about just how awful rise of Skywalker is. Yeah. And I was sort of that and thought about it. And I was like, you know what? There's a lot in this. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that I've had no desire to go back and rewatch any of those first, those three movies from the latest trilogy. Yeah, you know, no sentimentality in any of them. Despite the fact that I walked out of each of them, going, "Oh yeah, that was a pretty fun movie." Yeah, and I just have no interest. And whereas I, you know, will go watch the Empire Strikes Back again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's funny because to me, I was like, "Oh, it's action in space. It's automatically a good movie." <laughs> and it's yeah, like, right. it's not like great, but yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. I heard yeah. somewhere that down to like the small talk is they were talking that um. Like uh, Darth Maul was supposed to be in that last, the newest trilogy that was out, but no, that was like George Lucas's plan. So they might make another trilogy where Darth Maul is the bad guy. And I think, I think he shows no. up in the animated series, Clone Wars, and he's like the bottom half of him is like a robot spider thing. Seriously, I think so. But that was before they were like, all right, Lucas, you're not allowed to write these anymore. We're going to get a team like because people say 
how bad the newest trilogy is, but they don't remember how bad like the, the prequels. prequels were and how much people hated yeah. those. Yeah, too bad Derek's not here. He can tell us all about how Noah loves the prequels. <laughs> I was actually, I just watched the prequels and they're not good, but they're not oh, as it's... bad as everybody says they are. Really? The acting, I think, I think what it is is the directing is terrible. Like it's like um, it's too much green screen, and I think like the CGI was so expensive that there's a lot of scenes where I think they just told the actors to not move because they didn't want to have to like right. animate around them. And then like there's that part like the worst line is when um, Qui Gon Jinn is like, "There's always a bigger fish," but it's like <laughs> you could tell it was all green screened around him, and you, and that's why I thought of it. I was like, why didn't he move at all when he said that and like have no emotion? But I guess it was like they probably did a couple shots, and they're like, "Okay, sit still." And he was like, "Am I still enough?" But yeah, <laughs> how do they compare with uh, Moonraker? Oh, uh, they're a lot. Actually, Moonraker was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Like, I guess (laughs) it is bad, but it's good, bad. Like, it's I don't know. It's like it's I give it a pass because it's from the 70s and they made the effort to go to space and shoot lasers and stuff. But it's it's terrible. I did enjoy you commenting on how you just had had enough of Roger Moore after seven Roger Moore movies. And now in my Bond watch through, I'm right at um, I'm at GoldenEye, so I'm fucking super pumped because I can watch all those again, which I haven't watched GoldenEye in like 20 years. So it's going to be good to see if it holds up. And now that I have the whole catalog to compare it to, like before, like when I watched GoldenEye the first time, I'd never seen any Bond older than it. So now I can watch it with like knowing all the other stuff, like all the cheesy tropes. Here's a question. Is is Jordan Peterson worse than Moonraker? No, Jordan Peterson's great. <laughs> this is one of those things. This is uh it was more like I guess last year and the year before the podcast, because Jordan Peterson's basically been gone for a year because he went to Russia to get over his addiction to uh an anti-anxiety mag- uh, medication where he was having trouble getting off it. So I don't know why I can't remember why exactly he went to Russia, but he did. But uh, okay. So what happened was Jordan Peterson had his ride to rise to infamy. Everybody like he was very polarizing. Everybody either loved him or hated him. And then he went full carnivore because he has some kind of autoimmune deficiency. So he did um, an elimination diet and realized that he was healthiest when he only ate meat and then his wife got diagnosed with cancer and then he got like depressed and anxiety. So he got on these anti-anxiety medication and then he couldn't get off them. And then he went to Russia. It's almost like a bond movie theme. Yeah. Like plot. He's a bond. Yeah. So he goes to Russia and he gets off this pills and then he comes, he came back to Canada, I think like a month ago and, um, then he i don't know if he's written the book yet or if he's like gonna write it I the, yeah and then, and then I, penguin I, I, I understood that it had been written and they were going to publish it yeah they're, but it's they're not going to publish it till next year so i guess right. maybe they're fine just putting fine touches on it because i guess they want to edit stuff so penguin 
one of can is it Canada's biggest publisher or the world's well, biggest, the world's publisher? biggest one yeah, the world's so biggest publisher? Yeah, so they decide they're going to publish it, which Penguin is Random Horse, Random House Canada. Yeah, yeah, which is smart because that's going to be a gold mine for dollar bills, and then just like uh, what happened at Spotify when Joe Rogan signed a giant contract, a lot of the uh, employees of a certain political leaning took umbrage with it and voiced their dismay that they were going to publish a Jordan Peterson book. And some of them cried during a town hall meeting at Penguin Random House. I am totally on board with people crying at town hall meetings and expressing their frustration with their place of employment. Not that I've cried, but I've been in those scenarios. Um, I'm not a fan of Jordan Peterson. I think he's an idiot. I think mm-hmm. he, uh, I think he's a, a particular group of people who just need to get over themselves and stop projecting their problems onto others. <laughs> um, that said, obviously there's people who are interested. Um, this is how free speech works. Uh, you, which is the thing that nuts. you can say you're perfectly entitled to say shitty things. That doesn't make you immune from criticism, and that's yeah. so often what I find is that. Uh, pe- people of Jordan Peterson's type tend to complain about being criticized. And it's like, well, how do you think this works? Um, so, you know, that's fine. I, I think uh, I, at the end of the day, I understand why people are upset. Um, I, and I, yeah, like I said, I don't agree with basically anything he has to say. I think he represents bad things. I think people can be better than Jordan Peterson. Um I personally yeah. like Jordan and Peterson. Important. I think, of course, you do. Like, you um, work for the Calgary Sun. Of course, you do. <laughs> That's not why I like. I like him because he's trying to like he's like his twelve rules for life or whatever. Everybody's like, oh, this is stupid or whatever. Like a lot of the criticism I was running into was people being like, don't people already know these steps? Like, just clean your room and you'll feel better mentally. Like. Right. The problem with Jordan Peterson is it's not for me or you like we're university educated. We know all this stuff. We've gone through like a path of self-improvement and we basically know how to keep our like minds at a healthy point. Jordan Peterson is for mostly men at like the start of their mindfulness journey where they're like they don't really know why they don't feel good inside and they haven't figured out that. Like one of the main, I guess, tenets of Jordan Peterson is that a lot of people who don't have like a goal or something to work for, it makes them depressed and they kind of haven't figured it out out why. So they need like kind of like a life's purpose. So he kind of just like says, even if you feel like there's no point and there's nothing to do, just clean your room. Like it's like his whole thing is clean your room, make your bed. And it's just like, and it's one of those, it's like the starting point for mindfulness is to just clean up because for whatever reason you feel better. So, yeah. That's fine. I mean, I think it's more the fact that he's spoken out against things that people are really experiencing. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, he does have some questionable stuff. So much of what he does feels insincere because you know, it's one thing to go around and say, here's how I cope. Here's how I get through yeah. things. But so much of it is supposedly supposed to be presented as almost like self-empowerment. But if you're yeah. really empowering yourself, why do you care what other people are doing? Like, why is it an issue for you if someone is 
saying, I have realized I was born in the wrong body and I want to try to do everything I can to find who I meant to be. Like what problem is that for you? And, and that to me ends up being the problem. It's like, Jordan, nobody's interested. Like, like that you're not, all you're doing, all you're doing is just promoting your brand of controversy, which is ironic given what you're saying, which is like, like, essentially f the haters and move on and it's like clean your room you're like right yeah that's great advice like Mm -hmm. you know figure out what you can control don't stop worrying about what you can't control and that's the thing that always i find fascinating with you know the the sort of that kind of mentality is that you get so caught up in what other people are doing it's like aren't you supposed to be focused like i said aren't you supposed to be focused on your own struggles your own challenges like there are a lot of things like there's no denying that in life some of us are more fortunate than others and, and some people are unfortunate and it's not their fault. And it's, you know, it is important to talk about the structural challenges in front of them, mm-hmm. but like people who are, you know, trans people aren't blocking your way, you know, like they're not, they might make you feel uncomfortable, but you know what? Go do something else. Isn't that the advice? Yeah. So anyway, that's, it kind of drives me nuts about them. Is it just in the end, like I said, it all sort of feels insincere and, yeah, it is weird that he kind of like he kind of took it upon himself to take all these like young men under his wing. And he's like, I'm going to be a father figure for all these like basically like lost boys in their yeah. like late teens and early 20s. So like like what you were saying, I think that does maybe allude to maybe there's something that he's like trying to get over like because he's like a psychologist teacher, I think. So maybe yeah. there's some weird thing that he's like not fully come to terms with with his masculinity or something but <laughs> I, I, I mean i go because i mean i used to be a teacher and yeah. you know, i encountered obviously a lot of young people especially boy i coach rugby so i dealt with boys a lot of oh time. yeah it's shitty you know shitty fathers like it ha- you know it sucks i heard it this morning my we were walking the kids and we walked by there was a soccer game going on and there's a dad walking by with his kid and talking about his game and his son said oh i thought i pretty good played pretty well in the second half and dad believe it or not said well i thought your gar- first half was pretty garbage and i'm like he's 10 yeah that's like that's crazy what are you talking about but you know you run into this and so like yeah there's gonna be a lot of people you know especially as you said like young men in their late teens in their early 20s are like huh, i don't know which is a difficult period of life for most people mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out who you're going to be what you're going to be where you're trying to get you know where you want your the starting line of your life to be you know where it, sometimes it's already started you don't know what you know you're trying to figure out how to deal with life and it's you know at the end of the day like good for him if he wants to be this role model but like the point is as i've said like fix your shop don't worry about what other people are doing and if there are challenges yeah. that are coming from the outside figure out what they're about but don't cast about and throw stones and get upset like <laughs> you know if yeah. there are broader things be fixed and get involved like you know to me it in, ends up just becoming an excuse for whining and complaining and and not getting involved like if you know there are structural problems in society that need to be overcome and need to be fixed mm-hmm. but like you don't fix them by sitting them on your, sitting on your couch that's true like uh yeah it's a, it's a tough subject because it's like 
I don't know when I say like, I like Jordan Peterson, everyone's like, Oh, crazy. You like absolutely everything he did. And that's like, yeah, maybe not like the, the weird trans stuff that he took a stand for at the university where he was working was just like five years ago where he said he wouldn't address like what he, he rose to infamy when he said he wouldn't, he didn't agree with it being a legal thing in Canada for uh, people like teachers and stuff to have to address students by their preferred right. gender pronoun. And that's, that's bullshit. Like whatever they want you to call them, just call them that. Like, yeah, I don't understand it, but his whole thing was, it's like this weird, like um, government overreach kind of like animal farm. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's yeah, one of those things in a whole other direction. You're like, what? Yeah. And I'm, I was always like, yeah, just whatever they want, call them that. Like if a guy has a dumb nickname, but he wants you to call him that, just call him that. Cause yeah. whatever it's, it's like, it, to yeah. me, it doesn't um, cause you any problem. But for me, like, like I said before, like, I just like that he was kind of like trying to reach like these young men or whatever lost boys. And then, but yeah, like it's, it's another thing too. It's like, you almost don't want to talk about it because it's such a landmine of like, like a quagmire that you have to like sift through and be like, okay, I'm okay with him saying this. I'm not okay with this. I'm okay with this other thing. Yeah. But um, as for it's just like you and me, people are not going to be happy with everything you and I say. <laughs> oh, definitely not. And Outraged then the... even. Yeah, exactly. Like there'll be like, like one of the reasons we started this podcast, me and Derek was because we got in some Twitter argument about, I think it was like what people's, worth to society was like how different people have different worth and it was like we fought about it for weeks and then we're like started this podcast because even we don't agree with each other because the truth is you're worth more than he is to society right uh i don't know there'd be there'd have to be like an objective scale i know because he's a father so he's worth more than me because there is a young mind attached to him and if derek were to be taken out of society that would affect also affect that his like kid whereas if i was taken out i don't have a child to affect so objectively derek's life is worth more than mine i mean as problematic as that is and how depressing that might be to myself <laughs> i just wanted to say <laughs> but he said dale just said derek is better than him <laughs> he's not better than me he's just worth Derek's more. <laughs> not even here poor guy where is yeah. he we should be piling on him instead of just telling <laughs> whereas you didn't want to go there Whereas your life would be more objectively worth more than Derek's because you have two children. Oh God. So anyways, back to be, I, I don't know. I don't agree with people. Like you said, it's very frustrating. These town halls and stuff. And you can get why people were crying and stuff. But for me, like I get how, like, (laughs) there's the guest host. Oh, tilt it down a sec. They're, those covered, listening. they're covered by your name. So just tilt your computer. Oh, there For you go. Those listening, <laughs> there's, uh, those listening, Alice has appeared through the window. She just woke up from her nap, I guess. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, what I was going to say was like, if you, I don't know, for me, like I feel like publishing words and novels, uh, books and stuff, as long as they're not full of actual hate speech, it should mm. be okay. And Jordan Peterson, as problematic as he is, he's not hate speech and he doesn't like effectively call for violence against any group of people. So 
to try and get his book not published through this publisher, I feel is like a, a level of censorship I'm not comfortable with. But I get how, like, I just, the people crying just bugs me because it's like, on one hand, you want to be like, well, just get a new job somewhere else. But on the other hand, you got to understand how, like, tied oh. into people's jobs their, their lives are and how they can't just quit and move on because of, like, they have families and all this stuff. But I don't know, like. I, I, I also go with the fact that for the most part, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to judge what people are going, especially in scenarios like this. Like I'm not yeah. going to judge what people are going through. Like people get emotional. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I, that's fine with it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, speaking of emo- should we, should we move along? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say before one my battery thing- runs out or I go get a plug. <laughs> yeah. One thing I wanted to say before we move on was Jordan Peterson did, put out a classy tweet he said please quit har- harassing the penguin um oh really employees. okay yeah that's good. so that's that. good okay. he's not that's he's good. not like fully unreproachable yeah um we're almost at an hour so we could close out with this tiny desk thing oh yeah like i said before, we never have to talk about trump this is the last time we're talking about trump right yeah so tiny desk the reason what, I want- what was that desk was that a side tape oh sorry go ahead okay i just yeah as it's like a slow intro or whatever. So Trump finally, well, not Trump himself, but Trump's camp finally agreed to the transition to the Biden government and they started allocating funds and stuff. So this right. means Trump's officially on his way out. So I just wanted to take this time to say goodbye, Trump. It was Good a altruist relationship, but by the end, I didn't even want to hear your name. So in the <laughs> future, I'm glad to report we will not be talking about Trump on this podcast. I mean, Derek might want to bring him up for some other reason, but I'm just not going to include him. Yeah. Well, I think you should just yeah. shut Derek down if he tries to. You say, no, <laughs> no, you were gone. We yeah. took a 2-0 vote. No more yeah. Trump on that radio. Me and Patrick decided that we're not talking about Trump anymore. You Two-time just... guest Patrick helped me. <laughs> yeah. And if so... Derek ever wants to pass rules, he can get on his own guest hosts and pass mm-hmm. his own rules mm. uh, but yeah how about that desk yeah what was up with that was that just like was that a side table like what happened there the only thing i think that that's acceptable was if that was some weird like old presidential writing like uh letter writing, writing. desk that like maybe mm. lincoln signed something on or like back when they feel, couldn't make nice furniture yeah. if it, it probably had to have been a smaller president Truman, I think Truman was this little guy. Yeah, um, Lincoln was really tall. Yeah, he was. Um, did you did you see any of the stuff about the uh, the the boom or the cheesy? Because there's that cheesy Christmas tree, but like the the actual um, the actual boom mic. No, did you see about that? Wait. What, okay, let me find it here. Okay, for that, um, for yeah, that actual a, a guy named Matt Blaze at Matt Blaze, uh, who is a um, uh, scientist, safe cracker, writer, professor. I don't know what he teaches. What he safe cracker? Who puts that in their Twitter bio? Maybe he's a I'm a professor. I'm the professor uh, anyway. of safe cracking. Um, anyway, Wait, he what was that uh, Twitter handle? He, at Matt Blaze. So he has a series of tweets that he put up um, Friday. And he goes, "This picture." So it's the picture, the one in the background of Trump, like yelling at his stupid little desk with the like 
uh, you can see the microphone that they'd hung over him for like the close-up shot, I guess. And then the tree in the background and George Washington's above the fireplace. Um, like the fireplace that isn't even on. Like they didn't bother with that. The staging looks terrible. He goes, this picture has gotten a lot of attention because of the tiny desk and weird room decor. But geek Americans like me are focused on something else. The microphone boom and stand, which are emblematic of this administration's disdain for expertise. Let me explain. And then he goes on. He says, the thing is a C stand with a microphone boom pole attached to it via a grip head and boom holder. So, you know, the, the stand and it goes overhead. And, you know, you've seen, you've all seen these mics, the um, mic booms and all these things. Like, it all makes sense. And he goes, anyway, via grip, these things are not designed to be used together, but points for improvising. The first thing you might notice is the lack of a counterweight on the boom. It stand, wants to tip over, and although the pole is carbon fiber and fairly light, uh, uh, is so they got away with it. But the real problem is the way the stand is being used. C-stands are designed as portable support for small lights. They have three unequal length legs that can be folded flat for storage. This makes them tricky to use safely, especially when balancing a boom. There's one main rule, the long leg goes directly under the center of gravity. And then he goes on to point that they haven't done that. And he's basically like, <laughs> they're so lucky. They're so lucky that this didn't, this didn't like fall over. It could have fallen over and they probably should have fallen over, mm -hmm. but it's just, they're like, eh, let's half-ass it. We'll, we'll be fine. And that's been sort of the story of the whole administration in, in kind terms. And of course, the real story in the whole administration is that it's been cruel and the cruelty was the point. And I'm so glad that they're gone and I'm glad you never have to talk about them. That's such a good way to wrap up the whole presidency. Like, the, um, I put a link to the tweet in the comments and I retweeted it on nice. my personal account. So if you're listening you to go. this and you're like, I want to see it, you could go to there that. Go. I will put it in the notes of the actual thing if you're if you've downloaded this and you're listening to it but it is like yeah it's like just like the disdain for people who know how to do things properly and just be like oh, i'll figure it out myself like that's i guess that's the last four years of america and the, like i guess to a lesser degree that's okay. kind of like what it is to be an american <laughs> like their whole thing was like we'll figure it out you know what, folks? It's okay not to know things and to ask for mm -hmm. help. Yeah, if you're if you're gonna learn any skill, one of the first things you learn is if you don't know, you just ask a question. Because if you don't know stuff, it only gets worse if you try to just go at it alone. Like it doesn't like even I matter. I learned to weld in grade ten, and I was really bad at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know now that I shouldn't weld, and that I should let Dale do my welding, <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, I am a professional level welder. I mean, I'm not that great. I just get paid to do it. So that makes me a professional. So you're still miles better. You yeah. You're telling me how to weld properly. Mm -hmm. I was really bad at it. Anyway. Well, it's, I don't know. It's like, it's more of like a, I equate it to like drawing or painting, like just the hand movements of it. So if you have a hard mm. time drawing, you might have a hard time welding. I'm not very good at drawing or painting. So there you go. Mm. Well, all you have to do is ask for help, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, ask for help. There you go. Um, yeah, I think... Right, buddy, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming out for your... Was this your second or third appearance? I think it was your second. Second. Yeah. Second. As the host, I should know that stuff. Uh, where can people get a hold of you? At Rising Action on Twitter. Mm-hmm. 
uh, or uh, I'm in the pages of the Vancouver Province newspaper, province, nice. uh, provincesports.com. And you're and, the, are you going to be the yeah. official Canucks writer this year as well? Because you were last That's year, weren't plan. you? Nice. And then. That's the plan. Still, as of today, is still my job. I mean, things could nice. change. You never know. But. Uh, I mean, I guess if all the teams, pl- uh, all the Canadian teams play together, that's going to kind of, um, that'll affect you too. Cause now you won't have to go across the border to cover Canucks games. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously going to, we'll see how that all plays out, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And like, you know, I mean, a certain level it's comfort level with traveling on airplanes and yeah, I, for you know, one, we got to see how, we got to see how our pandemic's not going so great in most Canada right now. So we got to figure that out too. Right. Yeah, that's true. Like we did want to not go to the states so we wouldn't get their giant numbers, but uh, hopefully this space too doesn't turn to American levels, so we could stay home, wear masks. Yeah, exactly. Sort it out. Yeah, let's 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 just like keep smart. I know none none of us want to think it's our fault, Mm -hmm. but we all have a collective responsibility, and if we just kind of calm things down for a couple weeks here. We could probably have a pretty nice Christmas. Yeah, just stay away from each other for the next couple of weeks. Let the numbers calm down, and they won't take Christmas away from us. Also, I mean, we won't have to deal with people crying about how their freedoms are being infringed upon and like having stupid parades. Thing about it, Let's, I'm glad we didn't talk about that, but I, I'm outraged by that too. Just, <laughs> come on, yes. folks. Like, the people lived through a war. Yeah, this that's is nothing. true. This yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I feel like we don't really need to bring it up because I don't think anybody who listens to this podcast is an anti-masker. I'm trying to think of some of the people yeah. that listen to maybe. I mm, nah, I think we're all. I hope not. Yeah, I mean no, Trudeau says we're all getting vac- vaccinated by the spring or by September, so we won't have to worry about this for next Christmas at least. Oh, God. All right, buddy. (laughs) Stay safe. All right. Until next time, everybody. Stay angry. Although you don't know how to spell. I like email employees. Sorry? You you didn't write employees. You wrote email employees. Oh, fuck. It's because I go on my phone and I have these big, fat welder thumbs. (laughs) I always hit the letter beside the one I want. I find it tough when you're still a graphic designer. (laughs) it's kind of hard to claim you big fat graphic designer thumbs (laughs) it's true then i just had desk desk job sausage finger guy thumbs (laughs) they were just fat instead of muscular back then (laughs) (laughs) so i guess it's kind of good that i can you're a real working man now yeah yeah they just get wider because i swing a hammer